I like that song. Open your Bibles again to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Oh, how I want us to listen today. I am very, very excited about the truth that can help us all today, every single person that's here. And I want us to pay close attention to the message. I'm preaching this morning on the subject, The First Step to Success. The first step to success. All of us desire to be a success in life. God desires for all of us to be a success in life. The message this morning, the first step to success. Have your Bibles ready now? We're going to look again at Deuteronomy chapter 8 in just a moment. Heavenly Father, I pause to pray because I stand in great need of the Holy Spirit power to empower and to anoint the truth of the message today. Heavenly Father, I desire to magnify and glorify you in our lives today. Help us, Lord, to listen and to receive. I yield myself the best way I know how to the preaching of the Word of God this morning. Thank you that you have called and that you use preaching to accomplish your will in our lives. Please help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I use again the most oft-repeated illustration in the Bible to set the context for the message. The children of Israel were in the land of Egypt. It represents bondage. It represents bondage to sin and Satan. God raised up a deliverer by the name of Moses and delivered the children of Israel from the place of slavery, from the mistreatment of Pharaoh. But he didn't just set them free to be free from that. He set them free to inherit the land of Canaan. Now this was a physical illustration, a part of the history of our world. And so he set them free, not just to be free from Egypt, but to live in the land of Canaan that God had prepared for them. That land was a land flowing with milk and honey. It represents the victorious Christian life in our lives. That's what Canaan represents. Between the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan was a vast wilderness. You know the story. The children of Israel took 40 years to go from the land of Egypt to the land of Canaan. The book of Deuteronomy, the word deuter means repeat or review. And God reviewed or renewed to them the commandments that he had given using Moses to write what I refer to as the constitution for the nation of Israel. And he told them, if you'll obey my word, I will bless you in that land of Canaan. Now, in these verses, he tells us why they went through the wilderness. Now, remember, the message is this, the first step to success. Let's read the verses again to see why they came through the wilderness. He begins by saying, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do. Folks, we ought to desire to be obedient to God's commands. We ought to desire that. But he said, I want to remind you of that. Why? That you may live 
and multiply it and go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers. I want you to prosper, he said. Now notice, and thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness. Now the wilderness was not an enjoyable place. It was a very difficult place. It was a very challenging place. And he tells them why he took them through the wilderness before they got to the land of Canaan. I want you to see it. I have it underlined here. To humble thee. Now what does that mean? What does it mean to humble us? Don't miss it. It means to take away my pride. To take away my self-confidence. To humble thee. Notice this, and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart. We don't always know what's in our heart. We know our intentions, but the way we find out what's really in our heart is to go through a tough time. You want to find out who your friends are? You don't just ask who your friends are. Your friends are those that stick with you in the time of difficulty. God said, I wanted to prove what was in your heart. So I led you through the wilderness to humble you and to prove you uh, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Now notice this. And he humbled thee. Now how did he do that? Well, they didn't have any water to drink. So they said, Moses, what are we supposed to do? Did you bring us out here to die? He said, no, I didn't bring you out here to die. This is God's will. And we'll go to God and we'll ask him for water. And so what he did, he said, Moses, take the rod and go to the rock of Horeb and I want you to smite the rock of Horeb. And he did. And when he did, God gave water miraculously from that rock. Now, it wasn't just a puddle or a pool of water. It was water that flowed, giving them water as they traveled through the wilderness. Now, understand that would humble you to say, we don't have anything to drink. Lord, what do we do? God said, I'll take care of that. And so they depended on him for water. So he humbled them. The second thing, they didn't have any food to eat. And again, they went to Moses. And some complained, said it was better uh, what we had in Egypt. And they started talking about the food of Egypt. Uh, but Moses said, now listen, listen, God will take care of us. And he gave them manna. Every morning there was fresh manna on the ground. And he told them, he said, you can't take enough manna for two or three or five or seven days. Uh, you get the manna every day for that day except when we come to the Sabbath day. And you'll get to two days manna for that day. If you try to keep manna, uh, it will ruin. It, it, it won't be any good. It'll, be, it'll have worms in it. It'll be bad. You have to get the manna every day. You know what he was doing? He was humbling them to realize I have to trust in God every day. And here's the summary statement of that passage where he says that he might make thee to know that man doth not live by bread alone. Now what does that mean? It means our life does not consist of just the food we eat, but we're dependent on the God that gives it. 
And that's what he was teaching them, and that is repeated through the Word of God. Now, here's what he said. I brought you through that difficult place. I did that to humble you, to let you know you can't take care of yourself. Uh, can we just go ahead and recognize this morning, uh, I'm not able on my own to succeed. I must have him. I can't succeed in marriage. I can't succeed in life. I can't succeed in business. I can't succeed in anything without God's help. Now, God said, I want you to know something. You can't make it on your own. You need me. But I'm not trying to be stingy. I want to bless you. If you try to make it on your own, you're going to fail. If you'll trust in me, you'll succeed. And so I brought you through the wilderness to humble you. He said, I suffered you to hunger. He said, I fed you with manna that, uh, which thou knewest not, that he may make thee to know that man doth not live by bread only. Now, what is the first step to success? Here's what it is. Failure. Lord, I just can't do it. I'm going to have to have your help. If I don't have your help, Lord, I'm going to die in the wilderness. God said, I've been just standing here waiting for your help. I'll give you water to drink. I'll give you manna to eat. And I'll take care of you until you get to the land of Canaan. And the first step to Canaan is failure. The first step is to be humbled and say, I can't, but God can. The sooner we come to the place that we fail in our own strength and we trust in God and His strength, the quicker we get to the place of success that God wants us to have. Now, let me give you some illustration. You may be surprised to see how this repeats itself through the Word of God. When we think of the man Joseph, Joseph was a man of great success and victory in his life. Joseph was a man that was used to save his people and to save the world. If you recall the story of the wisdom of Joseph, it began with him having a dream. God said, I'm going to make you a leader. I'm going to make you a ruler. And so he told his brothers, and his brothers didn't say, congratulations. They said, you sorry rascal. Who do you think you are that others should bow down to you? And you know what God did? God humbled Joseph and Joseph took that first step of success, which was failure, realizing he could not accomplish success on his own. He had to have God. But God humbled him. He brought him through the wilderness. His brothers hated him. He was sold as a slave. He was thrown in a pit. He spent time in prison, long, long in dark nights, alone in prison. And when Joseph came to the place that he was totally dependent on God, God took him from the prison and God put him in the palace. Now he so humbled him that he never ever trusted in Joseph again. Even in his success, he trusted in God. Now think of it. It happens over and over through the Bible. King David is to me the greatest of the Old Testament among many great people of faith in God. But before he became the king of Israel, first of all, he was humbled. Think about it. When Samuel was looking for a king, 
his daddy didn't even call David in to be recognized by Samuel. You remember it? He was out taking care of the sheep, and Samuel said, is this all the boys? He said, well, I have one other. He's just a young fella. He's out taking care of the sheep. He's doing what anybody could do. And he first started in his step to the throne, taking the first step of being humbled and realizing, I can't be successful in life on my own. I must have God. He was humbled by his father overlooking him. Uh, later, Saul hated him. He desired to kill him. David failed in his own flesh. Psalm 51 is a result of that. That has helped so many people to succeed in overcoming sin. But David succeeded because he took the first step of success, which was failure in humility. He realized, I cannot on my own. Think of Moses. He grew up in Pharaoh's palace. He could have been a man of pride. You see, during the years while he lived in Midian, Moses had to learn and practice humility. In Egypt, he had acquired knowledge and power. But in Midian, where he spent 40 years as a foreigner and as a shepherd, there were many times in life he was reminded, Moses, you're not in control. I am. And when he came to the place of humility and he realized, I cannot on my own succeed. I must have God. God raised up that deliverer and delivered the children of Israel from the land of Egypt. You may be there today. You may see your life as a failure. You may see your life as filled with many failures. Hey, friend, I want you to understand something. You can come to the place today that you say, I have failed and failed and failed. What is there left to do? I'll tell you what's left to do. You've taken the first step to success. You need now to say, God, I can't. I need your help and I want to depend on you. It is then when we can succeed. Are you with me this morning? Now the devil wants to say you're just a failure. You might as well quit. God says you're a failure. You might as well trust in me. I don't know about you, but I get excited about that truth. Because there have been so many times that I felt just like a failure and I said to God, I can't do this. Lord, I, I don't have the ability. I don't have the confidence. I don't have the talent. Uh, Lord, if you don't help me, I'll just fail. God said, you've just taken the first step to success by depending on me. I want to say to you today, take your failures and give them to God and say, God, I want you to have my life. I want you to have my family. I want you to have my marriage. I want you to have my business. I want you to have everything in life. And God can bless you when we learn to trust in him. A young man by the name of John Mark went on a missionary journey with Paul and Barnabas. A relative of Barnabas. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly why, but it tells us that John Mark turned back where he went home from the missionary journey. Paul saw him as a failure. Later, when John Mark wanted to go again, he said, no, I'm not taking him with us. Barnabas said, well, you, you, you go with Silas and I'll take him with me. Do you know God used that failure in John Mark's life to make a success out of him? 
Do you know that failure? I don't know what the failure was except pride, and that usually summarizes all of our failures when we try alone to do uh, the will of God, when we try alone to succeed in life. But God used John Mark, and the second book of the Bible, the Gospel of Mark, is given by John Mark, a man that took the first step of success by failing on, him, uh, uh, on his own and saying, God, I need your help. You see, some of us are not on the way uh, to a life uh, that's wasted. We're on our way to a life of success because we've proven to ourselves we cannot on our own accomplish anything in life. Ah, but we can give ourselves to God and say, God, I want you to be pleased. I need your help in rearing my children. I need your help in strengthening my marriage. I need your help in winning souls to Christ. I need your help in what I do. Do you know God wants us to depend on him? He does. And when we depend on God, God helps us. That's interesting, the wording. Now that you think about this, the Bible says that God led the children of Israel through the wilderness to humble them, to prove them so that they would know they needed him. What have you learned from your failures in life? Have they humbled us? We're not as strong as we thought we were. We're not as resilient as we thought we were. We're not as smart. We're not as powerful as we thought we were. But when we come to the place of weakness, we come to the place of failure, and we come to the place that we call on God and say, I can't live by physical bread, by just what I have myself. I need all of God. I need you. You've taken the first step to success in life. You know, God wants us to succeed personally. He wants us to be people of joy. It doesn't matter what our circumstances are. He wants us to enjoy life. He wants us to have gladness. He wants us to have peace. But we can't earn that ourselves. We do that by depending on God. God wants to bless your family. God wants to bless your marriage. God wants to bless your business. He said to the children of Israel, I want you to go into the land. I want you to multiply. I want you to prosper. But you can't unless you depend on me. You understand God not only created us, God created us for him. God created us for his pleasure. God created us for his glory. That's good. That's right because that's what God did. God created us. And when I come to the place in life that I totally depend on him, God said I can make a success from somebody that trusts in me. He told them in this first verse, he said, I want you to obey my commandments. You know, sometimes his commandments, they don't make much sense to our mind. Uh, they sometimes go against the feelings of our flesh. They, they go against our human reasoning. They go against the culture and the direction of the majority. But they're right because they're God's law. Now let's not be like Naaman. You remember Naaman, captain of the host? Military leader? And he has leprosy. In those days, leprosy was like hearing you have terminal cancer. There's no hope. And the little maid of Israel said, if he just knew the man of God, the man of God, Elijah, he could heal him. And you know what? He went down to see Elijah, and he expected to see Elijah, but he didn't. One of the servants of Elijah came out to Naaman, and he said, Elijah said to tell you, go down and dip yourself in the Jordan seven times. 
You know what Naaman said? The Bible said he was wroth. He was angry. He said, well, I thought at least Elijah would come out and see me. You know what he was doing? He was expressing the pride and confidence he had in himself. Why didn't Elijah, the man of God, come out and see me? And by the way, why do I have to go to Jordan? Why can't I go to Farpar and one of the other nice rivers and, and, uh, and wash myself in one of those rivers? And the Bible said he went away angry. He went away wroth. And that's where many Christians are today. That's where many people are today. They're mad at God because they don't want to follow what God says to do because it doesn't make any sense to them. That's what humility is all about. That's what God was doing, was humbling them. One of the servants said to Naaman, he said, Naaman, if he'd have told you to do some great thing, you'd have done it. If he would have told you to do something that everybody could see and clap for, you'd have done it. Why don't you just do what the man of God said? That servant had a whole lot of sense. By the way, Naaman got over his anger, and he went down and he dipped himself seven times in an old dirty river, just like the man of God said to do in the Bible, said he came up clean. You say, I don't think it's fair God put me through the wilderness. Well, you'll stay right there until you humble yourself. Well, I don't think it's fair what I'm going through in life. God just trying to get you to depend on him. God's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to humble you. God's not trying to keep you from success. He's trying to show you the step to success. He's trying to show you the pathway to success. And when you come to the place, you say, I give up, I can't. God, I have to have you. If you don't help me, there is no help. God said, we've just taken the first step. Come right along. Let me show you where success is. I promise you, God wants to bless our life, but we live so oftentimes in anger because we don't want to do what God said to do. Take your Bible and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Second Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to show you the wording and wisdom of the Apostle Paul. Second Corinthians chapter 12. God was using Paul in a magnificent way. Not just locally, not just regionally, but across the known world. And I want you to notice what happens. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, look at verse number 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, he says it again, lest I should be exalted above measure. You see, when we have success, we want everybody to know it, don't we? When we have success, we get filled with pride. And Paul said, except I should be exalted above measure, God gave me a thorn in the flesh. God said, the way we're going to get the victory is through the wilderness. Why? Because I want to humble you and know that, Paul, you can't make it on your own. You have to have me. Lord, we don't have water. What do we do? I'll give you water. Lord, we don't have food. What do we do? I'll give you food. We don't, we don't have what we need. I'll give you what you need. And Paul said, except I should be exalted above measure, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. You read these verses and you'll find that Paul came to the bottom of his weakness. And in the bottom of his weakness, he said, God's strength is made perfect. Where did he find it? First step of success, failure in his own flesh. Now think with me. 
America could have revival today. Do you know there's a lot of reasons our nation should be humbled before God right now? What's going on in Afghanistan? And now the renewed threats of terrorism in our country. Another hurricane that within, that within a few hours is going to hit America again. I read this morning it could be the worst hurricane since 1850. We don't know what will happen. We face a virus today like we've never before and fear like never before. The critical race theory is nothing but those working to stir racial tensions and hatred for one another. This immoral group of people that are out to pervert our children. The woke, the woke crowd that's out to destroy the Christian heritage of America. Sometimes we say, well, we'll show them. We'll get them back. That's how Naaman behaved. We'll show them. We'll come back bigger and better than ever. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of hearing that. You know what we need is a statesman that would say, you know, looking back in history, even just back to the days of Dwight D. Eisenhower, now and again we'd have somebody to stand up and say, I'll tell you what we need, we need to get back to God. Eisenhower was a regular speaker on the Back to God radio broadcast. Americans went to church in a higher percentage during his days. In the beginning of the Cold War, as it was told to us, Eisenhower said it's spiritual warfare. He had enough sense to recognize just in history and from the Word of God. When he was a boy, his mama made him read the Bible, all of the boys, several of them, seven I believe, and she made them read the Bible out loud so she would know they were reading it, not just looking at it. He said, what we need is get back to God. You know what our response should be as we look at all these things that face America today? We're going to say, Lord, we're in trouble. And without you, we have no hope. I'm for conservative leadership. But that's not the answer. It's the result of seeking the answer. Many say, boy, if we just had Trump back, somebody ought to say, if we just had God back in first and foremost, and I'm a Trump fan, I'm not against him, but I'm against putting my trust there when my trust ought to be in God. You see, America could have success today because, because we could humble ourselves before God. What's it going to take to get our attention in America before we realize we're not an invincible people and nation. Our nation can be brought to nothing and it's going to happen until we say, and I'm going to preach this message tonight. I'm a, I give, it's an hour long, so I'm going to give you a few minutes of it this morning. I'm not going to preach an hour tonight, but it's an hour long. I'll give you as much of it as I can. But what's the first step to success? Failure in saying I can't but God can. You know how I got saved? You know how you got saved? You took that first step and you said, you know what? I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. 
I have failed in every attempt to save myself, and I can't. Lord, would you save me? God said, I've been waiting to save you all along. I've just been waiting for you to call on me because I'm the only one that can give eternal life. And I realized I couldn't save myself and I wasn't going to heaven and God was the only one who could save me. I turned to him as a boy and he gave me salvation. The first step to success is realizing that I can't, but God can. Don't look at your failures as a waste of life. Look at them and say, you know what, I tried this and it didn't work, and I tried this and it didn't work. The only thing I know to do is trust God. You can call that weak if you want. You can make fun of that if you want. But I believe the first step to success is realizing that I can't, but God can. Stand with me this morning. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you cannot save yourself, but God can save you. You can't fix your life, but God can fix it. We can't save our nation, but God can. Heavenly Father, I pray that this morning we would realize, not just nationally, but in our own life, I must have God to live in victory personally. I must have God in my marriage. I must have God in the rearing of my children. I must have God in my business. We must have God in our church. We must depend on God. And I pray that today there would be a humbling of our hearts and help us to look at the problems and failures and difficulties and realize God just trying to get me to trust in Him. And may we do that today. May we trust in you and all that we do. May we humbly come before you saying, Lord, I need your help. And I pray that the decisions that should be made would be this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.